East Coast. Good morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your banking brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Well, one thing community banking brands do to help leave their audience wanting more is work with their state and national trade associations. And last week we had Jim Amundsen from the Minnesota, it's now called Bank in Minnesota, formerly Independent Community Bankers of Minnesota. And I've been thinking about that conversation with Jim all week. And so I wanted to do a bit of a follow-up show under the heading of this episode, An Open Letter to American Bankers, and I'm talking about specifically community banking brands, for-profit, often family-owned community banking brands. Because if credit unions starting to buy banks isn't going to wake up the people that advocate for community banks, nothing ever will. And so I'm going to have an honest assessment of this, an honest assessment of my conversation with Jim and his team at Bank in Minnesota. They're doing everything they can. But he told me something. He said something in the interview that I found downright amazing. He said that he meets with people at the state legislature and the national legislature that don't know there's any difference between banks and credit unions. See, the credit unions don't have to talk about it. All they want to do is hang on to their tax status, which is paying no taxes. It's a much more difficult job for community banks to get credit unions to pay taxes. And one of the things that Jim said to me, I hadn't really thought about, that if you've got a bank that wants to purchase another community bank and a credit union also wants to purchase that same community bank, well, the credit union comes in with a significant advantage because they're not paying taxes. They have more money to spend on that acquisition. It really has gotten out of hand. And as I mentioned, I contacted uh, Scott Cummins. I think it's Scott Cummins. I don't know. This empty suit from the Minnesota Credit Union Network, uh, won't even have a debate on the topic. You should have heard this guy. I wished I had recorded this phone call last Friday when I called him and I said, hey, I'd love to send you this link to the podcast. We had your counterpart in banks, Jim Amundsen from Bank in Minnesota. Be great to have a debate on the air about not just the tax status, but having a debate about should we debate it? You can't even bring it up in credit union circles. Let me remind those of you that may not have listened to this show before. I spoke at over 400 credit union events as a professional speaker in the 2000s. I've had over 300 credit union CEOs on this very show over the past 12 years. If you look closely at the URL, it used to be called the Radio Free Credit Union Show. But over the years, I discovered that if you say anything even remotely in support of community banks, and I belong to a great community bank, Frost Bank, San Antonio, Texas, Republic thereof, that is my banking brand. If you even demonstrate a a desire to see this question about taxes handled fairly or debated, you are kicked out of the club. And I've gone from being rather ambivalent about the credit union tax status to being more in favor of community banks because community banks on the weekend of Easter Sunday 2020, I'm convinced, saved this country from economic ruin. And when you have a great story to tell, 
And when you've done something that significant, now's the time to use that fact to bring people up to speed, like a apparently legislators and policymakers. I mean, whenever I ask people about the need for all of these voluntary associations on both sides, credit unions and banks, the first thing they say is advocacy. Well, if you've got state legislators in St. Paul and in Washington, D.C., that don't know that credit unions don't pay taxes, what in the world has all that money that you've sent in for dues and at the rubber chicken dinner for the political action committee, what has it gotten you? That, too, is a fair question to ask. The ABA, the ICBA, Rebecca, Rebecca Romero won't even answer my emails or phone calls, just basic questions about these things. Folks, after the break, I'm going to tell you what's going on and what bankers need to do. This is an open letter to American bankers, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 12 years, conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, without the hangover, and without the expense report. This is the one and only Power Performance Podcast. Let me tell you, the color that should be lighting up the faces of some of these Trade Association employees is red. A little embarrassed here. Speaking of red, it is the color of the financial brand, the indispensable financial brand. Used to be a newsletter. Now it's online. A great resource for everybody in banking. I looked at a story by a gentleman named Garrett Reich talking about how in 2021, 13 banks were acquired by credit unions. And then there's going to be 25 more this year in the calendar year 20. 22, and it's going to add something like 4 million new credit union members. And it's not just what it adds, it's what it takes away. These were communities that were receiving taxes from these community banks. That is something that has to be addressed. Now, again, how did we get here? How did we allow this to happen? You've got the ABA, you've got the ICBA, you've got all the state banking associations. They put on 4,000 conferences every year. And the credit unions do the same thing. Now, this, this advocacy answer, this is, this is nonsense. What happens is a, a banking lobbyist goes up to Capitol Hill to meet with old Senator Scratch and Sniff, and he takes a picture, and I support community banks. Well, the next week, a credit union lobbyist goes up the hill to see old Senator Scratch and Sniff, and he does the same thing. Oh, I want to support uh, community credit unions, which, of course, means the tax status that they've been granted. Well, let's talk about why credit unions were given that tax status back in the you know Roosevelt administration or whenever it was before World War II. Let's just call it the ABC Shirt Company in Fall River, Massachusetts. All right. They've got employees, many of them like my grandparents, who may be first or second generation Americans doing what was called peace work, not P-E-A-C-E, but peace. They got paid by the peace. How many hems did they sew? How many buttons did they sew? How many needles did they put through their thumb today while they were working to, to you know, put food on the table for their family? Well, 
After a while, the ABC Shirt Company in Fall River, Massachusetts decides, hey, we're going to start our own little credit union. No problem. It's going to be a, a few guys that run the credit union with a shoebox and a legal piece of paper in there keeping track of who's been borrowing money. You want to join the credit union, put in your $2. Uh, you know, uh, John Sousa comes to you and says, hey, my son's getting married. I'd like to borrow $25. No problem. We're going we're gonna to give you $25, but you're going to pay us back 30 in six months or by the end of the year, because obviously at some point we're going to have to replace this shoebox and buy new pencils and things like that. Hey, well, in those days, that was perfectly legitimate. These were people, a lot of these people, especially first and second generation Americans that probably didn't have the ability to get any kind of loans from a typical community bank at the time or one of the big banks at the time of which there were many back in the early 20th century. Well, that is not what credit unions are anymore. The ABC Shirt Company credit union is not going to buy a $10 million Learjet the way PenFed did last year. You go to the corporate headquarters right here where I live of Randolph Brooks Federal Credit Union, Security Service Federal Credit Union. These are massive campuses. You can't believe these are the headquarters of not-for-profit organizations. And so the world in which that tax status was given to credit unions does not exist anymore. It absolutely does not exist. But the banks, community banks, who have just saved this country from economic ruin are out there at these conferences again promising to do something about it, but I don't see any evidence of it. I know there are some states that have put up some roadblocks to these not-for-profit credit unions buying for-profit banks, but when I read the article, it was only three or four states that I remember, Colorado and Tennessee among them. You can read that article. I'll, I'll put that article with from Garrett Reich in the episode description, but it is time to stop talking. Uh, bankers, American bankers, either figure out a way to get credit unions to start paying taxes or just stop talking about it. All right. If you are content to live out your career and go to your golf tournaments and eat your rubber chicken dinners while credit unions have an unfair fiduciary advantage over you, that's your business. But there is way too much talk about it and not enough tangible action. Again, how did we get here? Where credit unions who spent a generation telling us how bad banks are now going out and buying them. It just doesn't make any sense. You start with a tremendous financial advantage when you start calculating how many brands you can acquire next year, knowing that you're not going to pay whatever the tax rate is on banks. I honestly don't know. And I don't remember if Jim said it on the air, but when he told me that there are people that are actively involved in the legislative process that might actually get credit unions to pay taxes that didn't know that credit unions don't pay taxes. My first thought was, wow, that's terrible. But it's not. I didn't blame the credit unions. I blamed the ICBA, the ABA, and the state associations. How can they not know? I am an equal opportunity call you out, er. 
Okay, I called out the Minnesota Credit Union Network president, Mr. Cummins, last week because he is afraid to have an honest debate. He certainly won't have it with me. But at the same time, the leadership at the ABA and the ICBA, they've not been willing to come on this air and talk about this. I don't know how much money a bank like Frost Bank sends to the ICBA or the ABA. I don't know. I know a lot of that money is spent on education and compliance support and the educational efforts. I've got nothing against in-person conferences. I think they're wonderful. I made a living speaking at those events for almost a decade. But at some point, talking about things is not enough. You hear people talking about, oh, I got to work out more. I've got to lose some weight. And you see them two years later, and it's obvious that's all they've done is talk about it. I don't know that the communities where community banks operate can afford to lose all of that tax revenue. At what point does that become a problem? More importantly, with every bank that is purchased by a credit union, their ability to advocate more because it's more money, more money going to CUNA and more money going to NAFQ and more money going to the state leagues that are all becoming these regional leagues. Community banks, you just had one of the greatest wins in the history of banking. PPP. You you should be out there talking to those small business owners every day about bringing their personal accounts on board. Big banks didn't show up on Easter weekend 2020, and neither did credit unions. When you look at a pie chart about who funded those PPP loans, it is all community banks. A great story, a great history, and a great legacy, but it is placed at risk When your biggest competitor, which is other community banking brands known as credit unions, are operating with a significant head start at the beginning of every fiscal year. And every American banking professional, every American community banking CEO needs to be asking those tough questions of the ABA, the ICBA, and their state associations. If you're one of them, you want to come on the air and talk about it. If you work for the ABA or the ICBA and you want to come on the air and discuss it, you are always welcome. If you're from the credit union world and you want to come on this show and discuss it again, you're always welcome. I've got nothing against an honest debate. But Mr. Cummins last week, the guy from the Minnesota Credit Union Network, folks, he was shrieking like a baby at just the suggestion of having an on-air debate. It does beg the question, and Mr. Amundsen brought this up, what are they hiding? I know what they're hiding, by the way. A tremendous amount of grift, a tremendous amount of wasteful spending that has absolutely nothing to do with their responsibility to their member owners at the credit unions, and that's what they don't want to talk about. Well, I host a podcast. I've done it for 12 years. I talk about a lot of things, and I celebrate great community banking brands, whether they're banks or credit unions. But at the macro level, community banks, it is time to wake up and realize that, okay, last year it was 13 banks that were purchased by credit unions. This year it's going to be 25. At what point is it too many? At what point does the loss of that tax revenue negatively impact the communities in which they're located. You know, a lot of credit unions don't do business banking. What about small business 
owners that have relied on those community banks for their for their business accounts all these years. And again, and the final big question, what is the ABA, the ICBA, and the State Banking Associations doing about it? All fair questions. I would love to get some answers. Again, if you want to read that article from Garrett Wright from The Financial Brand, uh, I've got that link right there in the episode description. My name is Jason Dias, and I want to thank you so much for listening to The Power Performance, the show that asks the question, if your banking brand were a band and has not been purchased by a credit union, would you leave the audience wanting more? And until next we speak, I'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Keep my team reporters travel